Welcome to Parker Memorial's podcast of the 8.30 a.m. service. Our service includes modern-style worship and an on-time message from God's Word. This week, we continue our in-depth study into the book of Revelation by Dr. Mac Amos. Now, here's this week's message. Well, wait a minute. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to the Revelation chapter 9. Revelation chapter 9. We were together the last time. We focused on Revelation chapter 8. Beginning of chapter 8 was whenever the seventh seal was broken and it introduced us to the seven angels who stand in the presence of God, each of them having a trumpet in their hand. We also saw the angel who was the priest who came and offered the incense at the golden altar, which represents Jesus taking all the prayers for God's will throughout all the ages, finally being fulfilled at this culmination of time. That angel then goes back out to the brazen altar, takes the fire in the center and casts it onto the earth, which signifies the judgment of God, which is coming. Then you have the blowing of the seven trumpets. In chapter 8, we are introduced to the first four of those trumpets. The first trumpet was blown. It brings hell and fire upon the earth. A third of the earth was destroyed, the grass and the trees. Then we saw the second trumpet blow. There was a large mountain, like a mountain that is full of fire, that fell upon the ocean. Probably a meteorite or an asteroid of some kind, a heavenly being that comes, destroys one-third of the creatures of the ocean and a third of the ships upon the ocean. When the third trumpet blows, then there is something like a star, a torch that is burning that comes and falls upon the rivers and the springs, the fresh water, and turns it into wormwood. Wormwood meaning bitter, bitter water, and therefore bringing disease upon man because the need of fresh water. The fourth trumpet that is blown, then is the fact that it affects the heavenly bodies. A third of the sun, the moon, and the stars are darkened so that they only function on the basis of two-thirds, which will affect catastrophically. The earth and the makeup of the earth and all the things like photosynthesis and the temperature of the earth, all of those things will be affected. But every one of those trumpets affected the earth or something about this terrestrial ball. But whenever it closes out chapter 8, an eagle in the mid-heaven comes and cries forth in the very last verse, Woe, 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 the threefold woe, To those who are earth dwellers, and that word earth dweller means to make your home here, make your residence here. Woe, woe, woe to those who have made their their home this earth because the rest or the other trumpets are going to be worse. We find that when they blow the fifth trumpet, things begin to change. It's no longer affecting the earth itself, but it begins to affect those who are the earth dwellers, the people. So that's what it says as we read in chapter 9, verse number 1. And the fifth angel sounded the trumpet. And I saw a star from heaven which had fallen to the earth, and the key of the bottomless pit was given to him. You need to circle that word, him. And he opened the bottomless pit, and smoke went up out of the pit like the smoke of a great furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened by the smoke of the pit. And out of the smoke came forth locusts upon the earth, 
And power was given them as scorpions of the earth have power. And they were told that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, nor any green thing, nor any tree. But only men who do not have the seal of God on their forehead. And they were not permitted to kill anyone, but to torment for five months. And their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it stings a man. And in those days, men will seek death and will not find it. And they will long to die and death flees from them. And the appearance of the locusts was like horses prepared for battle. And their heads on it were a gold, were crowned like gold. And their faces were like the faces of men. And they had hair like the hair of women. And their teeth were like the teeth of lions. And they had breastplates like the breastplate of iron and sound of their wings was like the sound of chariots of many horses rushing to battle. And they have tails like scorpions and stings. And in their tail is their power to hurt men for five months. And they have as king over them the angel of the abyss. His name in Hebrew is Abaddon. And in the Greek his name is Apollyon. The first woe is past. Behold, two woes are still coming after these things. Isn't it interesting that the first four trumpets are all included in chapter 8. But when it comes to these trumpets that are blowing, in chapter 9, the whole chapter, 27 verses, deal with just two of the trumpets are blowing. We're seeing 1 through 12, the verses 1 through 12, deal with this fifth trumpet because of the severity of it and how much God wanted the people of the earth to understand what was about to happen. Now, a number of things we need to ask. First of all, What or who is this star? When it says that he saw, John saw a star fallen from heaven, fallen to the earth, fallen from heaven. Is that a terrestrial ball? Is it like over in chapter 8, verse 10, where it said the star came down? The answer is no. It is not an object. It is not a terrestrial ball, but rather it is a person or it is a being. And to help you and to make it short for you, This being, this fallen star, this one who comes to the earth is is none other than Satan himself. You need to just write that down. I'll be able to say different things, but I believe it's a picture of Satan himself who has been cast down to the earth. Let's talk about that for a minute because of the language that is used there. First of all, why would we believe it's Satan? Because of the use of the word fallen. The word fallen is in the perfect form or the perfect tense, which the perfect tense in the Greek language means this, an event that took place in the past but has a continuing effect to this day. In other words, this person who comes, and why do I know that it's a person? Because at the end of verse 1, I had you to circle that word him. It's called a personal pronoun. It's not talking about an it, it's talking about a him, a person, a being. And this being is Satan because of what it says about fallen. Satan had fallen before this fall or being cast to the earth at this time. He had fallen before. You realize that there are going to be two times when Satan is cast out of heaven and cast onto the earth. The first of those times have already taken place. It's recorded in the book of Isaiah chapter 12. It's recorded in Ezekiel chapter 23. Isaiah says that that he has, that Satan, Lucifer was his name, was the morning star. Ezekiel calls him the anointed cherub. 
It's the picture, the idea that Satan, or Lucifer at that time, was an archangel of God. He was in charge of the worship of God. He was one of the most powerful created beings of God, but something happened in him. As you continue to read in Isaiah and in Ezekiel, it says that pride overtook him, and he wanted to take and have the place of God and the worship place of God. Sin entered into his heart, and whenever sin entered into his heart, God cast him forth from heaven. This is before God ever even created this earth. He cast him forth from heaven. How do I know it's before he created the earth? Because in the Garden of Eden, where man was placed, there was somebody else who was there. And what was his name? The old serpent, who is Satan. So before the earth was ever created, there was this casting out of Lucifer, and he became Satan, or the devil, the deceiving one, the enemy of God, the enemy of all the plans and purposes of God. And he had been cast down to the earth at that time. But even though he was cast down at that time, he still had certain privileges. If you remember in the book of Job, whenever it says God was gathered there with his heavenly host, do you remember who was there in the first chapters? Who was there? Oh, Satan was there. And and God and Satan carry on a conversation about what's happening on the earth. And God brings up and says, well, have have you looked at my man Job? And basically Satan says, well, that's because you put a hedge of protection around him. You let me touch him and he'll curse you, God. And God says, okay, you can go and you can, you can do everything to it, but you can't touch him physically. And then, you know, he lost everything, but Job still didn't curse God. Then they come back and Satan says, if you'll let me touch him physically, he'll curse you. And God says, you can, but you can't take his life. And once again, he goes, but Job does not curse God. In other words, there's this picture of Satan having the privilege and opportunity, even though he was already Satan and already fallen and already cast down the earth, he still had this privilege somehow to come into the presence of God, to carry on conversation, to be a part of what's happening in the heavenly realm. That's just a picture that we have there. So there's going to be a second casting down. There's going to be this second casting down where no longer will he have the privilege to be around the heavenly host. No longer will he have the dwelling place or be in the heavens. But rather he is going to be cast down to the earth and the one who has fallen is going to be cast down. That's the picture right there. This star that's fallen has been cast down. Now, if you want to know more detail about it, flip over in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 12. The great thing about the Revelation is it tells you more details about things at at later points. In chapter 12... In verses 3 through 4, it talks about the red dragon and explains to us that the old red dragon in the Revelation is Satan. Then, beginning in chapter 7, it talks about a war or a battle that happens in the heavenlies. Look what it says in verse 7. And there was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels waging war with that old dragon. who, Who is he? He's Satan. And the dragon and his angels waged war, and there were not strong enough, and there was no longer a place for them in heaven. Do you hear that? No longer a place. And the great dragon was thrown down, and the serpent of, the, of old, who is called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world, he was thrown down to the earth, and his angel was thrown down with him. Look at verse 12. For this reason rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Why would there be rejoicing in heaven? Because no longer is he going to have that privilege. No longer is he going to have access. No longer is he welcome there. Why? 
Because in the second casting down, he loses that opportunity. And where is he cast down to? Look at verse 12. Woe to the earth. Woe to the earth and the sea. Because the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, knowing that he has only a short time. Now, when is this going to take place? About midway in the tribulation. Halfway in the tribulation, three and a half years into that, there's going to be this war that's going to happen between Michael the archangel and Satan and all of his cohort. And Michael is stronger than him, and he's going to cast him down the earth. No longer does he have the privilege to come into the heavenly place. Heaven is free from any of his influence or any of his presence. He's cast down totally to this earth. He's bound on this earth. And it says that when he comes there in chapter 12, notice it says when he comes... He comes with great wrath. He's angry. But not only is he angry, he knows that he has only a short time. He only has about 42 months. About three and a half years, he's going to have the opportunity of bringing punishment and bringing things upon the earth. And then after that 42 42 and a half months, there's going to be Jesus' second coming. He's going to be bound, cast in the abyss for a thousand years, and then let out eventually to be cast into the lake of fire. But what you find here in chapter 9, verse 1, is described there in chapter 12 whenever Michael throws him down. So go back to verse 1 of chapter 9. When he sounded, sounded the trumpet... I saw a star from heaven which had been fallen to the earth. He had been cast down. And what happens here? And it says, and the key of the bottomless pit was given to him. The key to the abyss. Satan was cast down, but when he was cast down, he took the key to the abyss. Now, what is the abyss? The abyss is the bottomless pit. It's the place where demons will eventually be cast down. Satan will be cast down for a thousand years. It's the place where the unrighteous dead would dwell. It's that prison for ungodliness and the prison for the fallen angels. That would be what it would be eventually. But we find out something here. Whenever God cast him down, he gives to Satan the key to the abyss. And Satan goes and he opens the abyss, that bottomless pit... And coming out of there is fire and smoke and filth and everything you'd imagine. But in the midst of that, something else is coming out. A creation or a creature we have never dealt with or never thought of before. And what they are are the demons of hell. They are the demons of hell. And he vividly describes these demons of hell. Now, back up just a minute. Don't let me lose you. All of us in our lives spiritually have to deal with demons. Do y'all know that? I mean, old Satan has demons and he has them working. I have to deal with demons all the time. Demons are constantly working against us, trying to hinder us, tempt us, everything you'd imagine. So there are a group of demons that are out here. I didn't say deacons. I heard that. Freudian slips. Uh, There are these demons that we have to deal with all the time. But what we find out here is that whenever he is given the key, he goes and he opens up the pit. And coming out of that pit are demons that we've never dealt with before. They have been held captive ever since the fall of Satan and those demons. 
These are such horrible demons that God locked them up in the abyss, and they are not the demons that you and I deal with each and every day. They've been locked up for thousands of years, and they'll be locked up until Satan unlocks that door, and out of that abyss comes these horrible creatures, the demons of hell, and they are angry. They've been held captive for thousands of years waiting for this time whenever they can come forth and they are coming forth to bring torment into this world. Now, hold on a second. I want you to understand something. Demons are real, just as real as angels and God. Amen? You know, Barna, a few years ago, he did a survey and he surveyed Christians And at that time, Christians, only 27% of Christians believed that Satan and demons were real. 27% of Christians believe that Satan and demons are real. I'm here to tell you, Satan is real and the demons of hell are real. Now, the demons we deal right now are spiritual beings that affect us in different ways. But whenever this happens and he opens the abyss... Outcoming are demons that are not in the spiritual realm. They are in the physical realm. And they are vividly described by John at that time of what they look like and of what they are going to do. When he opens up that pit, look what it says happens in verse 4. And they were told, they were told that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, nor any green thing, nor any tree. Now, these were demons who, first of all, looked like locusts, and they were swarming like locusts. Have you ever seen a picture of a swarm of locusts? It'll make it look like a a black cloud because there's so many of them. That's the picture. There are so many demons that are coming out, it looks like a black cloud. And out of that black cloud, they're coming. But these who look like locusts are not going to do what a typical locust would do. A typical locust would go and devour all the leaves off of trees and all the vegetation and in a short time would devour the vegetation of the earth. But it says to them, you locusts and you are not to attack the green trees, but rather you are going to bring torment. Look what it says in verse 4. You are going to bring torment to the men who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. They are going to be allowed to bring torment to those in the tribulation time who do not have the seal of God on their forehead. Now, some people have the seal of God, right? Remember the 144,000 Jews who are evangelists? They got the seal of God on their head. Remember the multitude from every tribe and every tongue? When they're saved, God's going to seal them. They'll have the seal of God on their head. Those who are believers in the midst of the tribulation time, they're going to have the seal of God. But for those who do not have the seal of God on their forehead, these demons are going to torment them and cause them great agony and great pain. All right? Great agony and great pain. It's the picture of back when, when in Egypt, when the children of Israel were there and the plagues happened, there were times when the plagues would affect the Egyptians and not touch the Israelites, not touch the people of God. Same is true here. This is going to be a torment for the earth dwellers. Remember that word we talked about? Earth dwellers, those who have made this world their home, those who do not have a heavenly vision, those who do not believe in God, those who do not understand that they're pilgrims through this world to that world, they become earth dwellers and these demons have been set forth in order to bring suffering and pain to them. Now, look what it says. They were not permitted to kill anyone 
verse 5, but to torment for five months. And their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it stings a man. Now, I want you to understand something about this. God never relinquishes his throne, okay? In the midst of these demons being set free by the old Satan, God is still in charge. How do we know that? Because of all the things it says in these verses about the sovereignty of God. First of all, Satan didn't take the key. He was what? Given the key by God for God to accomplish his purposes. For God's purposes ultimately to be accomplished. Whenever those demons are set free, they are told what they can devour and what they can touch and what they can't. They can't touch anything green. They can only torment those who what? Do not have the seal of God upon their head. He goes on and says this. You're only going to be able to torment them. You can't kill them. And beyond that, you're only going to do it for five months. In other words, God sets the boundary of anything and everything that's going to happen in this time. Even though it's the most horrible time in history and the great tribulation is taking place, God still sets the boundary. He's still in charge, ultimately and always in charge. Amen? That is important to know. They're going to come and they're going to torment them for five months as a scorpion. Now, what that means is this. That scorpion, a scorpion sting will not kill you. A scorpion sting just hurts and brings horrible pain. In other words, what these demons are going to do and what they're going to do, they're not going to be allowed to kill anybody, but they're going to bring horrendous pain to those people that they affect and sting. It's going to be such bad pain. Look what happens in verse number 6. And in those days, men will seek death and will not find it. And they will long to die and death flees from them. It's going to be so horrible, they are wanting to die. They're begging to die. They're trying to die, but they cannot die. They cannot die. It's like this. We're always running from the grim reaper, aren't we? These men are going to be running to the grim reaper, and they can't catch him. They cannot die. They're going to have torment, and we'll get no relief from it. So why would that happen? Because it is a foreshadowing. It is a picture of what hell is going to be like. You get that? Now, we know that whenever we get, we get saved and whenever we go to heaven, we're going to have glorified bodies. We have a different kind of body, aren't we? Amen. It's going to be wonderful. Okay? This glorified body in heaven. But do you know the people who are going to be dwelling in the pit of fire will have a different body than they have now? Because it will be a body that will be tormented but not consumed. It will not be consumed. There will be no death. There will be no relief. And these are hurting so bad, they're wanting to die, and they can't. Trying to commit suicide, and they have all the pain from it, but they don't die. They cannot find relief. That's the torment of these demons. Now, how he describes these demons. I'm telling you, I wouldn't want to meet one of these on the street. Look what it says. And the appearance of the locusts, they look like locusts, was like horses prepared for battle. And on their heads, as it were, there were crowns like gold. And their faces were like the faces of men, but they had the hair like women. And their teeth were like the teeth of lions. 
and they had breastplates like the breastplate of iron, and the sound of their wings was like the sound of chariots, of many horses rushing to battle. And they have tails like scorpions and stings, and in their tails is their power to hurt men for five months. Think about the way that's described. I, I told you last week, you see some of these movies these days, and they have all of these different creatures. People like going to see these movies have all these creatures of all kinds. And I'm telling you, there's some ugly-looking creatures out there. The thing that we relax in is this is just a movie, amen? And they're still in the screen and not with us. This isn't going to be a movie. These creatures are going to be horrible, terrifying, and they're going to be real, and there are going to be many of them. One of the interesting things for you to do is go online and Google, Google, the demon, the demon of the fifth trumpet. Just Google it. What what does that demon of the fifth trumpet look like? I Google that, and I want to bring up, show you on the screen what, what I think is probably the best rendering of taking all the characteristics of that. That is, it's not real clear, but that is the picture. If you'll notice everything, it's got the body of the horse, it's got... It's got wings, it's got the face of a man, but it's got lion's teeth, it's got the long hair, it's got a scorpion's tail. I don't know about you, I wouldn't want to meet that on the street, would you? But that's not going to be just a movie. That's going to be, if not this rendering, something like this that's going to be the demons of hell that's going to torment the men whose heads do not have the seal of God upon it. That's not going to be in a spiritual realm That's going to be in the physical realm. It's going to be where people see, grasp, and understand it. And it's not only the fact of what they look like. Look what it says also about them. Verse 11. They have as a king over them the angel of the abyss. His name in Hebrew is Abaddon. And in the Greek, he has the name of Apollyon. There's a king over them. It's not talking about Satan. He's talking about the fact that Satan has an organization that he functions. Paul talked about that. There's the powers and principalities of darkness. Satan has an organization of how he carries out the work. And even over these demons are the fallen angels of the abyss. He has somebody who's over them and his name is Abaddon in Hebrew or Apollyon in Greek. You know what both of those names mean? They mean destroyer. The destroyer. The king, the one who rules over these demons is known as the destroyer. To be destructive, to tear down. That's what the whole purpose is. Now that lets you know who he's in cahoots with, amen? Because in John 10, 10, what did Jesus say? I came to give you life, but he came to destroy you. Talking about Satan. He came to destroy you. And the king over these demons is called Abaddon, Apollyon, the destroyer. Do you know what the opposite, do you know what the opposite word in the Greek language to Apollyon is? It's the word soter. You know what soter means? It means savior. The opposite of destroying is to save. And who is the savior? Jesus. Jesus is the Savior. In other words, what they do is totally opposite of what Jesus came to do. 
Jesus came to save. Jesus came to give life. And those who are experiencing the torment of the destroyer are those who have rejected the Savior. Those who are dealing with the sting of this horrible demon is because they did not accept the grace and mercy of a loving, kind Savior. They missed out on salvation. They've missed out. They've chosen not to respond to the gospel of Christ. And because they do not respond to the gospel of Christ, they are left to be tormented for that season, for that period of time. It closes out by saying this, the first woe is past, but behold, two more woes that will affect human beings. Two more woes that the earth dwellers will have to deal with. Two more woes are still yet to come. Now, I believe it's so important to teach the whole counsel of God. I believe it's so important for us to know exactly what God says is happening, is going to happen one day. But if there's one thing that we need to take from what we read here, one thing we need to grasp from what we see here is this, my friend. Today is the day of salvation. Amen? Today is the day of grace. Today is the privilege for you and me to respond to the Savior, to allow Him to be Lord over our life. Today is the most wonderful day and greatest opportunity that you and I will ever have to respond to the message of hope, the message of love. And we don't have to worry about any of this. Remember that when this is happening, we believe that we're going to be in heaven. Amen? We're going to be at the throne of God. We're going to be worshiping the Lamb of God. All this is going to take place down here while we're in glory. The only thing we're going to know about is when he calls us and says it's time to go at the second coming, and we're going to join him for that glorious event. But all this other stuff we don't have to be a part of. And I don't know about you, I don't want to be a part of any of that. I want to know the power of the Savior. I want to know the grace of God. And I want to tell everybody I know, I love, I care about, I want them to know about his love and grace as well. Amen? I wouldn't want any person I know to go through that torment that's just been described in the fifth trumpet. I wouldn't want anybody to experience that so they don't have to. Today is the day of grace. Today is the opportunity to be saved. That concludes this week's message from Brother Mac. Additional sermons and reference materials are available from our website at parkermemorial.com slash sermon dash series. Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. I have overcome the world. We can help you know the one who can bring you peace. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Parker Memorial Baptist Church, as well as our website at parkermemorial.com. May God bless you until we meet again.